CONCACAF Champions League, and all the goings-on in the Premier League, as well as whether or not we'll buy Leeds United Patrick Bamford jerseys. It's a lot to cover, so let's kick off. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to the Soccer Talk Lads STL podcast. Uh, I am Stephen Ground, joined today by Justin Horniker. Justin, how are you doing? This oh, I'm Sunday? doing great, Stephen. Doing fantastic. Fresh off Manchester United, putting in their title contention uh, request. So we'll see if it gets accepted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it has to be validated first. But you're wearing red. You're in the zone. Mm-hmm. You're you're ready. Right. Uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a drubbing by Manchester United. We'll talk about them in a little bit here. Uh, but first, uh, Justin, I've been dying to, well, I should say, Ian uh, is not joining us today. He is in uh, Texas already for the holidays, because where else would you spend the holidays but Texas? <laughs> um, I can't think of a more uh, Christmassy place than Austin, Texas, the suburban Austin, Texas, for that matter. So maybe he's getting the inside scoop on uh, Austin FC for us. Maybe he's doing some ex- expansion draft work. But that's what I thought. Um, I was surprised that he didn't give us that insight. But maybe he's holding yeah. it down for another podcast. Maybe it'd be next episode. I'm sure. I'm sure he'll get us. I'm sure he'll cover us. Uh, but yeah, in the in the meantime, Justin, I've been dying to talk to you about MLS Cup. Can we talk about MLS Cup? I've been dying to talk to you about this for ages. <laughs> been on the top of your mind now we can officially yeah i mean i guess we did have our last podcast like on the eve of the game so <laughs> yeah and and then uh it's been a couple it's been a it's been a week um and now we're here you know uh yeah it was a it was a great game um you know the final important night of soccer at map free stadium in columbus columbus crew hosts the game if you Heard our last episode, you heard us talk to our friends, Brian and me, uh, about their kind of excitement but apprehension about uh, what the game meant for the city and for the team. And we all we all predicted a Columbus uh, a victory, and I did predict uh, a clean sheet, so I'm just going to, you know, subtly pat myself <laughs> on the back I didn't feel good about it. And one thing, I guess we'll talk about it after the, we go through the highlights, but this is really surprising to me how this played out. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it ended up being pretty much all Columbus, especially in the first half. Um, Harrison Awful, great name, uh, had an incredible cross to uh, Lucas Zellerion in the 25th minute, early in the 25th minute. Zellerion shoots it off Stefan Fry, uh, who should arguably make the save, but does not. Stefan Fry had been yelling at his defenders, as uh, all great goalkeepers do, uh, before that. And then, you know, to, in my opinion, kind of lets a, leak, a weak one in here. It's not, you know, he maybe shouldn't have gotten to it at all, but then once he touched it, he probably should have stopped it. And it was just a little bit of an awkward. Uh, yeah, and I think like for him, you're expecting a little bit more out of him too, because he's usually yeah. really solid. So yeah, he didn't look incredible in this game by any stretch. Uh, and then in the 31st minute, just six minutes later, awful tried 
another very similar cross, but it, instead of getting across the box, it got deflected and fell at the feet of Zellerion. Uh, he passed it over to Derek Etienne, who had a lot of space and hit a really beautiful curving low strike around Fry to make it two to nothing. Uh, and that's w- how it went into the half, which felt like just a, a pretty much completely dominant half for uh, Columbus. Was that your vibe too, Justin? Yeah, like Seattle just couldn't get into this game, it seemed like, mm-hmm. um, at least to me. And I was really surprised. I was expecting them because Seattle like kind of has a run through everyone in these playoffs so far. Yeah. Um, like they can kind of score when they want to, like especially those come from behind victories. So I was a little bit surprised, but also like expected them to at least come back a little bit more. Yeah, and they did. You know, I felt like the second half was mostly controlled by Seattle from an offensive standpoint, especially at least the first 20 or 30 minutes. And it felt like they were pressing Mm. and, you know, they brought on Will Bruin and you felt like, okay, they're probably going to get that goal. And then it's going to be like all systems go for the final 15 minutes or whatever, you know, however much is left to try and keep this. I think you even texted me like at some point they're going to come back, aren't they? Like, you know, it's, it's, it's (laughs) over and Seattle's going to win this. And it felt like that they had, complete control it could have been you know eerily reminiscent of the minnesota game they had in the semifinals where they were down two nothing with in like the 75th minute and got the two goals and and won in regulation uh so you know it it went that way and the 71st minute nico ladero got one off the post just barely to the outside shortly thereafter they got one that was uh, just wide on a corner kick. Uh, either of those, you know, would have changed the momentum of the game. Uh, but then in a in a counterattacking moment in the 82nd minute, Luis Diaz danced around the defender, got it to Zellerion, and he uh, shot it in for kind of the killing goal that made it three to nothing and, and sort of put Seattle away. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was it was a ton of fun to watch. It was a fun game. I felt like the pressure felt high the entire time. There wasn't a lot of, you know, kind of languishing in the midfield. I was watching at a friend's house who's not um, particularly a soccer or certainly an OS guy at all. And he was interested, you know, and he, he was intrigued by what he was watching. So it felt like a good game, a good way to represent the league. But ultimately... I think it was pretty dominant performance by Columbus, you know, and there was that period where they were on their heels, which it's, it's hard to avoid that in 90 minutes against Seattle, but they didn't, you know, other than a couple of close calls, it wasn't like they were constantly bailing water of like, this could have been a goal. This could have been a goal. This could have been a goal. It was just a lot of sustained pressure and felt like they handled it well. And yeah, it seemed it. like they were just having trouble, like, breaking down like that back line mm-hmm. of Columbus. And then there's some close chances with Jordan Morris had a couple of close like headers, but yeah, like nothing really of consequence. It seemed like. It yeah. And tight. yeah. And as we talked about in the podcast with Brian, me, it, it felt like the right kind of storybook ending mm-hmm. for this era of the crew, the map free stadium, you know, is, is closing. They'll play a few games there next season, but you know, this is kind of the last hurrah of the stadium. Um, and, you know, it's everything from save the crew up till now, um, you know, kind of justifies 
itself by this ending. It's sort of, you know, the ends justifying the means on on all that fight. And especially with Austin FC entering the league in their expansion draft, it's like kind of the perfect, perfect story to have Columbus win the win the cup right before that happens. And then uh Zellerion is an absolute star, I thought, so worth good. every penny that they spent on him. Um, you know, and and I hope. And we'll talk about some of the possibilities, but I hope that that encourages other MLS teams to spend money on, uh, you know, big players. Because that was a, that was like a seven million dollar move, if I remember mm. correctly, and and that's a big stretch for Columbus in in their history. You know, I mean, it's not when you've got NFL ownership, it's not anything yeah. that they're unfamiliar with. But it was a uh, um, it was a good find too, and it just shows yeah. like they have pretty good scouting because he was. Kind of like, I don't want to say on the outs, but he had had like a down year almost mm-hmm. when they bought him. So they got him a little bit cheaper than they probably should have. And then comes in and tears MLS up, up this year. So, yeah, newcomer of the year, despite missing a lot of the season. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, absolutely the star of this game, I would say. Uh, thoughts on uh, anything? Caleb Porter wins his second. Uh, becomes just the third uh, MLS manager to win with multiple clubs, I believe, which sounds impressive. And then I'm like, but there's only 25 seasons. So that means that six of the 25 times has been one of those managers. But Brisbane has won like half of them, I think. So yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> so uh, thoughts on, on the game or any of the players or, or personalities involved? Um, we missed out on a Jossie goal. So I will say that. Uh, but seeing Don Garber have to get booed and hand off the cup Mm. to Columbus was a nice little karmic retribution moment as well with a malfunctioning (laughs) mic. Yeah. (laughs) On top of everything else. Yeah. It was, uh, fantastic. Don Garber. I, I don't, you know, I don't know him super well yet, but I don't think I like him. So (laughs) I got that. He's kind of like. I always, I don't know, like he's kind of nondescript, I feel like. Yeah, um, I feel like he's a little bit like that Batman character where it's like he just embraces being the bad guy, even if he's not really, you know, all yeah. the time. Just because it's better for him to be the bad guy than for the owners or whatever in his eyes to be the bad guy. Except when he's uh, talking up our stadium, then I love him. But... Oh, then he's fantastic, <laughs> yeah. Anytime he's saying good things about our ownership or our team, then he's a, he's a real hero. But Absolutely. Yeah, so that was MLS Cup. That's the end of the um, whatever season, this insane season that we've had. Uh, man, you know, MLS's back tournament feels so long ago. Um, it feels even unbelievably longer ago that we had a, a week of games before the coronavirus <laughs> really happened. Um crazy it's a crazy year and it feels like now we're going to enter into another season where you know there probably won't be fans right out of the gate when mm. they start in april or or, or wherever they're going to start but um that you know they might have fans sometime during the summer or at least you know they'll probably have some fans when they start and maybe more increasingly more as the season progresses it all kinds of kind of depends on how the vaccine goes and mm. you know how doctors and public health officials decide on that sort of stuff but like it's it's weird it feels like MLS which is a league that um, has not historically been great at weathering storms did a pretty good job on this come out the other side now we have an MLS back tournament that is apparently a yearly thing now they're going to do that again 
So, oh, are they? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't mind that. That's interesting. I kind of like it. Yeah. I kind of like how soccer, I mean, this is truer in like Premier League and stuff, but I mm. kind of like the whole, like, we're just going to have a cup tournament that like goes alongside our main yeah, and we're gonna like care season. about it for some reason and... yeah and then we're gonna have you know in the case of the premier league then we're gonna have another cup tournament that we don't care about at all yeah. <laughs> you know but um and then uh, you know champions league which we'll talk about more but uh other mls news montreal we mentioned this no longer the impact uh is this official or is this still just sort of rumored hold on let me it was there is like heavy rumor they tease an announcement coming tomorrow, I believe. Oh. So, yeah, there's still impact in Montreal, but uh, I believe after tomorrow that'll be different. Okay. Um, and then, uh, you know, the Columbia, the Chicago Fire are going to uh ditch that god awful Microsoft Paint logo, um, which you know is is fitting. You know then- what? I- absolutely love about this situation is that like they announced the crest i don't even know if it was if it was a year ago officially and like everyone hated it there was all this fan backlash and petitions to like change it back and they said no 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 we're keeping this but you know that like they wanted to change it like the instant but they couldn't change it right away because they had to they couldn't go back on this thing no no it's uh (laughs) endowment effect they'd already done it now they you know are stuck uh, and ironically, those two teams we just discussed, also the two participants in the trade of Mihailovic uh, from the fire to uh, the erstwhile impact. So any thoughts on that move? I uh, don't know much about the player myself, I'll confess, but did hear allocation disorders belief that it was uh, slightly overpriced. So, yeah, you know. it seems like it. And but, like, I know Chicago is one of Chicago's like homegrowns, but I don't think he had been like critical in anything they were doing so yeah it does seem a little bit of a reach but i don't know Thierry Henry likes you and i guess it's a good thing if you're especially if you're a striker and Thierry Henry likes you yeah. as an attacker then you're probably doing something right and like i always feel like there's a little bit of overpayment for strikers a lot of times too mm. so yeah for sure i think that's fair uh but those are the guys you need you gotta win you gotta score goals to win you gotta score more than the other team that's what i hear that's right that's how it works uh dc united want mesut ozil how do you feel about that uh bring him in bring in ozil i i texted you this yesterday i think i still don't understand what's going on there like oh me neither at all (laughs) like why is he not playing and he's still getting paid and like arteta was saying that he can't go back and play him now because it like ruins his credibility. And I don't know. I don't understand why he's still sitting out. Like they're not playing well. You would well, think you know, I was going to say at least, at least they're doing a great job <laughs> on the field as we'll talk about later in yeah. the episode. They, they're just uh, playing like gangbusters overall, but um, so yeah. It's, I'd love to see him at DC and just kind of rip it up for a year or two. Everything about it is so weird with all the, you know, the political stuff too, on top of everything else, like, you know, Ozil's personal outspokenness about, is it Turkish politics? I don't know. Yeah, because he's, you know, he's German, but he's technically, I think he's, was born in Turkey and then he kind of, his family escaped to Germany. Yeah, there's a lot of Turkish immigration to, um, to uh, Germany. So yeah, that would check out. And I mean, he's a player I like. I would love to see him in MLS. I think he is, um, 
you know, one of those guys like um, uh, Zlatan, who would just be so many miles ahead of of other players on the field that, you know, he could be game breaking a little bit, but I think that the MLS benefits from having those guys and United would be like when Owen Schweinsteiger came over and he was at like the end of his career, he was still Mm -hmm. like, they even put him in defense and he's still like Chicago's best defender. So yeah, I just think those level players, like wherever they go, they're going to be still be the best. For sure. Yep. Uh, and uh, Inter Miami want to lure Sergio Romero from Manchester United. That's a little closer down for you. How do you feel about that one? I think I think it's probably good for Sergio Romero because right now he's not even getting up. those backup minutes that he usually gets. And he's a yeah. good like he was one of the better backups in the Premier League. So I think that's a good get for Miami if that happens. And only only thirty three, which is an ancient for a goalie, so yeah. could be a few good years left on those tires. Great. Uh, and then, uh, Justin, the MLS expansion draft for 2020 happened. Um, and oh, uh, we'll it. talk about this <laughs> a little bit. Uh, every time I read anything that are official rules by Major League Soccer, <laughs> I feel like I've entered a land like the Enchanted Forest and I yeah. don't know what's going on. It's so, like D&D rules. You know? Yeah, you may have to decode some of this or we'll have to roll a D20 to see if we can, you know, slay the troll or whatever but i feel like um, they change the rules every year too it's like the second oh, i get the sure. grasp on it like tam and gam i finally understood like this allocation money general allocation mm-hmm. money target allocation money whatever and then they like changed the rules they got rid of targeted allocation money now i don't understand what gam does and apparently does everything i don't know <laughs> i all i know is that it can be traded from person yeah. to person from team to team but that's all i know All right, so the rules for the 2020 MLS expansion draft as laid out by Major League Soccer are as follows. First, the 10 teams that have players selected by Inter-Miami and Nashville FC during the 2019 MLS expansion draft will be exempt from the 2020 expansion draft. Those 10 teams would be the Atlanta United FC Cincinnati Columbus Crew, Los Angeles FC Minnesota United, New New England Revolution, New York City FC, Portland Timbers, Seattle Sounders, and Sporting KC. The other 16 returning MLS clubs that competed during the 2020 season can protect 12 players from their senior, supplemental, and reserve rosters. I definitely know what all those things mean. Mm-hmm. Um, if a player's contract expires at the end of 2020, he will still be considered part of the club's roster. If a club protects a player, the club is not obligated to exercise the player's option. The club may renegotiate a new contract with the player as in previous years, subject to the CBA. Okay. This is where you lose me. Generation Adidas players who have not been graduated at the end of the 2020 MLS season and homegrown players ages 25 and under born in or after 1995. That's the same thing. On a club's roster at the end of the 2020 MLS season are automatically protected. Clubs do not have to use a protected slot on them. What is a Generation Adidas player, Justin? So I had to look this up because (laughs) I kind of... I thought that Generation Adidas was the players that entered into the draft. But then uh-huh. they talked about graduating. Does that mean that if you draft this player, but he's still on your reserve squad? But I, I'm not entirely sure. Like, I thought it was players that went into the draft. And, like, looking at this player list, hold on, let me look at last year's. That'll tell me. We're figuring this out live. Um, yeah. But then, okay, but then why are there only five Generation Adidas players from last year? I don't know. It's, um, it's 
I'm not quite sure, but it has something to do with the draft and having to be drafted instead of coming up through an academy. Um, it's uh, it's Generation Adidas, folks. Um, Generation Adidas is the thing. Uh, designated players are not automatically protected, i.e. clubs must choose whether to protect such players, and if such players is not protected, he will be available for selection in the expansion draft. Thank you for explaining that in great detail, exactly what every ramification of that sentence means. Uh, if a player has a no-trade clause in his contract, his MLS club must protect him, and he will count as one of the 12 players who may be protected. And finally, Austin FC is allowed up five, up to five selections. So honestly, um, the rules of this are not that different from any other expansion draft. It's just that the terminology is so silly um, that, uh, you know, I, I don't understand it all. Uh, the five players Austin FC did select, they chose all five, were Danny Hosen from San Jose Earthquakes, Jared Stroud from New York Red Bulls, Brady Scott from Nashville SC, Joe Corona from Los Angeles Galaxy feels like the wrong year to choose that guy, but whatever. And uh, Kamal Miller from Orlando City, who they then traded to Montreal in pack for $225,000 in Garber Bucks and a 2021 first round pick, 11th overall. Uh, Justin, tell me your thoughts on these players that have been selected, if you have thoughts on these players. I don't really. I mean, yeah, okay. <laughs> Like, I feel yeah. like they're just picking, they're just picking veteran players who can maybe slot in, be in the rotation. Nothing really jumps out. Like they took a couple of questionable, like, I don't think Danny Hosen is a great, like it's a high risk, high reward. Cause he didn't mm-hmm. have a great year in San Jose, but he had a great year a couple of years ago. He was coming off an injury. Joe Corona, like you said, like, what is this? 2013. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brady Scott was like Nashville's, they're string goalkeeper, but they have like a pretty deep goaltending squad. So maybe they saw something there. Um, and then they used one of them to trade to Montreal, who keeps uh, trading with everyone last week. Montreal trying to pretend that they're relevant by changing their name and getting a lot of new players. So, you know, let's see if it works out for them. So, so Steven, the- this is probably not a good sign, but I looked up on MLSsoccer.com website, what is a generation Adidas player? And uh-huh. it's about six paragraphs long. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> it's a joint program between MLS and Adidas, which sees a handful of top collegiate underclassmen and youth national team players signed by MLS to generation Adidas contracts and made available in the super draft. Beginning in 2017, Generation Adidas program is mirrored in Canada as MLS and the Canadian Soccer Federation work together to identify top Canadian talent, didn't sign them to GA contracts. I, this still doesn't, so I guess it's just players coming out of college that I, I don't know, but like, okay, it's fine. <laughs> you know what? We're moving on. They've lost their right for us to care about this. Justin CONCACAF is having something that something that they are generously, and I do mean generously, calling the Champions League. Uh, why don't you talk us through this? And I, I will say before we get started that calling this the Champions League is a blight to the name of the Champions League. I like it how be- like every federation has this like 
UEFA uh, Champions League uh, in South America as the Copa Libertadores, and Concacaf's just like, you know what? We'll just call it the Champions League. No one will know the difference. <laughs> Obviously, because the yeah. quality doesn't set it apart. It is, it would be akin to like if you had uh, a couple of I don't know wrestlers that called themselves the Elite, and then you called an entire wrestling promotion all Elite. And yeah. then hired a bunch of people that were not elite in any way. So you're saying this that is the AEW, be, of, yeah, uh, soccer of competitions. Champions League. Yeah, <laughs> just want to make that clear to everybody that doesn't know what I'm talking. I like that about, analogy. So. Yeah. That yeah. works for me. <laughs> I thought you'd track with it. I thought you'd be down. Uh, so yeah, I, this is uh, this is a disaster. I only caught part of last night's game. Oh uh, man, that was the best game to catch, though, Stephen. I'm glad yes. I talked you into watching it. No, I'm glad you did too. Please walk us through uh, the semifinals of this okay. godforsaken so, tournament. First, you have and to I call out that there is, no, there is no VAR for some reason, despite no. them playing in semifinals in Orlando. Don't, don't have um, cameras in Central America. That's yeah. <laughs> so what begs the question of when a handball happens in the box and there's no VAR to review it, you just you just don't call it, apparently. Uh, that That's... happened in the Tigris. Well, it happened in the Tigres Olympia game. And then they also called a phantom handball that didn't happen. Both those things happened in this game. Um, Tigres and Olympia played in the first semifinal. This is the furthest that a non-US, non-Mexico team has ever made it. That is Olympia Honduras, uh, which is a pretty cool story. And something I'll maybe miss because they're trying to, MLS and Liga MX are trying to move away from the League's Cups or from this, Steven, and trying to do the League's Cup because they get more money out of that and CONCACAF is weird because every country has a one vote so like the reason CONCACAF isn't there's no VAR we don't have a lot of prize money is because it's like pretty much controlled by the Caribbean nations as you would assume so right why wouldn't it be why wouldn't wouldn't CONCACAF be controlled by the nations that pay into it financially (laughs) (laughs) why would that why would you want that um so anyway i'll kind of miss it because i like seeing mls teams have to go to like honduras and like el salvador and costa rica and play these teams it's kind of fun a little change of pace something that and like the other thing that you maybe don't see in europe because like in champions league all those leagues are somewhat similar as far as like you know you have your some former eastern black nations that like you go to the stadium and it looks like it's just a bunch of rocks uh, which is fun, but like I feel mm-hmm. like in Concacaf you get that all the time, where you go play in this like seventy-five-year-old stadium that looks like it's falling down, uh, and then you see LAFC. It probably is. <laughs> Let me ask you this question, yeah. Justin: Do uh, Canadian Premier League teams get uh, an opportunity to play in Concacaf Champions League? So yes, Stephen. There's a thing called the Concacaf oh. League that I just yeah. found out about a couple months ago because it was randomly. So this on is Fox the Sports Europa too. League of Concacaf. It's like the qualifying. So like the team that wins CONCACAF League gets to play in CONCACAF Champions League. Uh, oh my gosh. So and it's, not, it's an even bigger insult. Than one of the Canadian teams league. made it to the finals, but lost uh, one of the Honduran teams. So that's uh, that's how, what you know there. It's <laughs> a shame. That's so they don't shame. even get a real spot. They get like a fake spot that they have to yeah. work their way out of. Well, tell us about this T-Grace game. Yeah. So anyway, moving on to the game. Uh, it was a pretty, I don't know, comparing this to the LAFC game, it's like not really comparable because this was pretty boring and Tigres were definitely the better team. Um, and I think LAFC will probably handle them pretty easily. Like they look solid, but this is a team that lost in the quarterfinals to Cruz Azul. 
Um, they scored at the end of the first half on a corner kick. They scored their second goal off a penalty kick from a non-existent handball in the box. And then their third goal was a cross that was redirected by an Olympia player into his own net. So they end up winning three to nothing. That's, uh, that's awkward. Yeah. Yeah. Tigres move on. Um, on to this LAFC versus Club America game, Steven. First, before I get into it, what, what were your takeaways from? <laughs> I My biggest takeaway is this. I appreciate FIFA's willingness to allow their officials to just actively try and fix a game openly yeah. in front of everyone. <laughs> it was for insane. a team that they like or against a team that or country that they dislike. And nobody cares. Nobody cares. <laughs> so, and and also they still failed. So I guess you know credit to uh, LAFC for overcoming not only their opponent but the officials as well. But uh, yeah, that was uh, that was my big takeaway. Here. Yeah, and what I love about this game, Stephen, is it really lulled you into a false sense of security with how like, uh-huh. the first thirty minutes went. You know, the first goal was off a pretty nondescript corner from Club America, and then. In about the 35th minute, there's a free kick. LAFC is like outside the box. It goes in. Uh, Atuesta goes up for it. He gets kind of hit with a high kick as the America player goes for the ball. Totally incidental. But Atuesta's down. And then Achoa, uh, of course, called America, former, I guess he's still Mexico's goalkeeper. I don't know. Um, Goes up, gets in his face, like yelling at him to get up. Atuesta pushes him away. But it's so strange, Stephen, that as he pushed him away, I guess there was a sniper in the crowd that appeared to take uh-huh. out Achoa at the same time. Shooting goes down. Yeah. <laughs> like a pile of bricks. And then uh-huh. Atuesta Shot. gets up. Shot and then he's the pushed down by two Club America players. And then somehow Atuesta gets the red card there. And it's peak CONCACAF. We have reached peak CONCACAF in this game. The very pinnacle, I would say, yes. And, what a uh, garbage league. Anyway, please continue. <laughs> yeah, in the official CONCACAF YouTube video of this, they actually skip right by this. All of a sudden, it goes from like the 10th minute to the 45th, and like LAFC is down to 10 men, and you would never know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you so wouldn't want to explain it after this video. Yeah, Vela then intercepts a lazy back pass, scores almost immediately. It's karmic retribution. And then LAFC also score on the other side of the half. Um, also during the half, uh, Hector Herrera, the manager, former Mexican manager, now the manager of Club America was kicked out. He got a red card for uh, getting heated with the LAFC bench coaches at halftime. Um, they kick him out to the stands. So he got a red card. And he just like walks up the stairs and sits in the last row of seats <laughs> and uh, is giving coaching through a walkie-talkie. Steven, your thoughts on the walkie-talkie action we saw last night? <laughs> well, walkie-talkies are uh, an underutilized uh, communication tool. In a Do you think America, he had that in his pocket the whole time? And he was just, I like, think so. I think he was ready to get sent <laughs> off and ready to just flagrantly ignore. Uh, <laughs> what? Just leave him on if he can use a walkie-talkie. It's yeah. the same. It's the same. I don't, I don't understand <laughs> that at all. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm sure when an NFL, on the rare occasions when, like, a manager, well, I'll use baseball because it's more common, when a manager gets sent out, I'm sure they're communicating to the clubhouse. None of us are pretending they're not, right? But we at least have the illusion that they're not, you know? You at least maintain some semblance of, like, just 
just that that velvet curtain that you can't see behind and and we just kind of all pretend collectively that uh-huh. he's really gone from the game you know <laughs> it's not like uh mike matheny is sitting up there in the uh, press box with a walkie-talkie calling down to mike he Schulter, got, he got more airtime after he was kicked off too it's yeah like oh well I mean, yeah he's a real <laughs> star for sure at that point unbelievable uh, so yeah, it was just a beautiful moment. Uh, then kind of a makeup call. Luis Reyes kicks out Diego Rossi, gets a second yellow, sends him off. So now we're both play, both teams are down to 10 men. Uh, and then Latif Blessing scores in stoppage time to make it three to one for LAFC. They're moving on. They out CONCACAF, CONCACAF. And uh, Bob Bradley Bailey, smiles Bailey, Bailey. and an angel gets his wings. Well, that's true. When Bob Bradley <laughs> smiles, really the world <laughs> the world smiles with him uh-huh. uh vela is very good uh, i think we can agree on on that he just um, he's such a good dribbler like yeah. i know we all know this but just like seeing him in action and he just takes these short dribbles and he just fakes everyone out and gets through the entire defense and it's just a joy to watch yeah absolutely and uh as you mentioned here lifc will play t grace on tuesday uh should be fun i think you're right that uh hopefully lifc will get the win and you know bring that uh, Champions League glory home to MLS, but yeah, you know. well, it's. I think this is the best that a since that Toronto team, I guess in 2015, 2017. I don't know. This is the first uh-huh. that a MLS team has made it in a while, so it does nice. give you the. It does give you the ability to say uh, to people in passing, hey, did you know an MLS team beat, uh, won the Champions League and then walk away and just hope <laughs> they ask no follow-up questions? Yeah. Because uh, if you can do that, then you're fine. And if they don't, then they believe you, you know? So that would be my advice to anyone who wants to profit off the this idea opportunity. Um, yeah. I, that, Especially if, I, if they're like a Mexican soccer fan. So you go up to them and say, LAFC won the Champions League. And then they'll be like, uh-huh. oh, it's just the CONCACAF Champions League. And then you'll be like, yeah, well, they beat uh, three Mexican teams in the. There the you go. There, so. If LAFC wins on tuesday they will technically have done the same accomplishment as liverpool and uh real madrid have done in the last two years so you know and look if they win they get to go to the highest pinnacle of club competition which is the club world cup steven obviously maybe take on liverpool who's to say (laughs) um clearly and liverpool will put 11 of its youngest academy (laughs) players on the field and still walk around side note what was the story last year did Klopp took Klopp took like the third team and then left the first team in the Premier league to play weren't they playing on the same day yeah it was an absolute pretend um (laughs) yeah and Klopp I I forget who managed who but Klopp yeah there was literally like a completely different management team and everything for the uh Premier League I think it was the Premier League game it was I love this sport let me tell you yeah (laughs) just absolutely what you want um you want to set it up so that your teams can just completely pretend not even pretend to care about a, a given game or matchup that's that should be your goal for sure uh, speaking of the Premier League, what a wonderful league it is. Uh, it's been great to me this week. Last time we talked, not so great. Grumpy Jurgen Klopp all over the place, uh, yelling at officials, yelling at uh, um, uh, press people, just yelling for yelling's sake a lot of the time. But this week, we're back. Uh, things are gravy. Jurgen Klopp has had a, a whole lot of fun. He did do some yelling at the officials early on in this game. But, uh, you know, so it's been great for me. It's been great for you. 
been good. Premier it's League. Been, it's I'm, been... I'm feeling good. You know, yeah. uh, United actually scored first today, which I'm feeling very good about. They haven't done that. They, they did it twice, well very quickly. <laughs> yeah. In fact, uh, so yeah, there has been some actual significant movement here at the top of the table uh, in Premier League as. Um, you know, as it stands right now, I guess uh, either this hasn't updated or the M- Manchester United game hasn't officially ended. I would think it would have, though. But uh, Man United will move second uh, behind. So they're Liverpool. a game behind, actually. So this oh, is okay. right. But they okay. have a game in hand that they'll make up. Okay, over the my Christmas bad, break. my bad, my bad. All right. So they have 26 points right now? Yes. Okay, cool. Um, so, uh, so this is correct then. So Liverpool, 31 points. Up four on Leicester City, who have 27. Manchester United, 26 with a game in hand. Everton, 26. Tottenham, 25. That's been the real slide of the last. Ugh, uh, it's week. been a tough week for Jose. Yeah, let's talk about Jose. Let's dig in there because Liverpool uh, played Tottenham in midweek. Uh, they play them on, on Wednesday, I guess it was. Um, and uh, I watched all of that game pretending to work while I did it, but not really working. And um, it's a great game. I mean, it was a really solid game. I thought it was enjoyable. It was Tottenham doing what Tottenham do best, which is giving a lot of uh, possession away and um, sitting in deep and mm. trying to be as boring as humanly possible. <laughs> and they were succeeding for the most part. Uh, but you know, Curtis Jones, uh, who is, uh, very young, I think, what, 19, probably, uh, you know, an Academy player, uh, local Liverpool kid. Um, he is 19. He'll be 20 on January 30th, uh, is getting an extended look in the, in the midfield with all the injuries and, and, you know, fixtures that they have right now. Curtis Jones is getting a lot of play time and, I thought you saw his footwork a lot in this and, and he looks promising and every bit, you know, kind of the hype machine that they've been talking about. <laughs> uh, but in early or middle of the first half, he uh, kind of does a, a give and go and then dribbles around in the box a little bit and a ball kind of deflects to Salah who takes a shot and it bounces just beautifully off a defender's knee and loops over into the back corner of the net. Nothing uh, that, Hugo Lloris could have possibly done about it and it's one nothing uh, shortly thereafter um, during a replay of a corner kick uh and Son ends up with a breakaway and um, scores past uh, Allison they review it um, there is no goal uh, or there's no offsides rather it is a goal um, great play Son is a player I love although at one point this game he did dive when there was literally no contact at all which is always my my least favorite um if you're gonna embellish contact i I respect the gamesmanship of that but if you're just gonna interpret that a leg sort of swung in your direction and fall down hoping to get uh, a foul or a yellow card that that bothers me a lot more um wind takes you down so the wind is very powerful (laughs) exactly uh and it looked like you know tottenham had a few chances in the second half to uh, bury this, some chances that they didn't convert. And then on a corner kick with about 10 minutes left, uh, Bobby Firmino hit a gorgeous header, uh, a really a bullet to the back of the net and struck, streaked off as the, uh, you know, with the beautiful, perfect human teeth. So much joy. So much joy. Uh, Yeah. 
Yeah, and li- literally flawless teeth the man has. They are literally <laughs> without imperfection. Um, and that was it. It ended two to one. There was, you know, a little bit of uh, pressure at the end there, but uh, Liverpool maintained the lead in the uh, Premier League and uh, get a critical home victory against Tottenham. After the game, uh, Jose um, called, said the best team won. Uh, to Klopp, who kind of laughed it off and played the bigger man here. Um, but then Jose also said it to the press. Uh, this is classic Jose, right? I mean, he also, he, I, I don't know if you saw the Instagram post, Stephen, but he also put on Instagram uh, him looking grumpy. And he said, the moment the post denied us the victory we deserved. Proud of everyone. <laughs> wow. Uh, fantastic. Um he is, uh, he, we talked about this on the uh, last pod with Brian and me too. He's the perfect heel of world football and, uh, he plays his role very well. I don't begrudge him for that. Um, saying the best team won here is, feels like a stretch. I think, uh, you know, at the end of the game, one of the Robbie, uh, one of the Robbies, I can never remember which last name goes with which person, but one of the Robbies, um, was, you know, kind of, uh, taking taking on that idea the best team won and basically said you become the best team by finishing your chances and Tottenham didn't and Liverpool did I mean if you look at possession you know the best teams clearly didn't win or clearly I guess did win um because uh because you know Liverpool had like 70 percent of possession but yeah for for Jose to see, say the best team lost, oh, it is they him. They had 24.2% of possession. Holy crap. <laughs> what were the expected goals in this one? Can you look that up real quick? Yeah. I'd be curious to see what that was. But yeah, I just, I don't know. I mean, it's it's Jose being Jose who cares really at the end of the day, but it just seems like um, a sore loser to him at, at its height. And I don't, I don't know. It's, it is what it is, I guess. But what did you think about those comments there? Yeah, I think he's just trying to get under Klopp's skin. They kind of have that uh, love-hate relationship thing going on that they're mm-hmm. always getting after each other when they play. So I don't know. I didn't read too much into it. I'm pretty used to Jose's antics. I, I, I don't know. They successfully took the like analysis away from you know Tottenham, right? So like mm-hmm. maybe that's the goal um looking at the expected goals they're actually pretty close uh tottenham at 1.52 to liverpool's 1.22 nice yeah i mean i don't think tottenham necessarily looked awful in this game it's just you know a team one they were pretty it's, easily it's that matched. classic jose like hunker down we'll get them on the counter even if they'd have 75 percent possession that's yeah. just, it's just such a classic jose game and everyone knows like what's gonna happen like everyone knew that that's what they were gonna do yeah, I think that's fair. So in any case, uh, Liverpool took that momentum from that victory and crushed Crystal Palace yesterday morning, seven to nothing, uh, giving themselves a permanent lead and goal differential. <laughs> um, you know, 17, they're up 17. Chelsea is, is at 12. Um, but uh, yeah, it's um, that was obviously a big game for those purposes. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Liverpool now four points ahead. Certainly this is not a, a race that's decided by any means. And certainly unlike recent years where it's taken 90 or a hundred points to win uh-huh. the premier league, we're looking at probably 75, 80 again this year. Um, how do you feel about Liverpool though this week? Do you think that they kind of 
you know, they have been on a, a little bit of a skid. Do you think they sort of hit the brakes? Yeah, or... I think they definitely separate themselves. Like what I've learned recently is that every club outside of Liverpool and Leicester are in crisis and Everton, I guess. Like United's <laughs> yeah. in crisis and they're in third place right now. So that, <laughs> and then yeah. uh, I like a lot of what Southampton's been able to do, but that, you know, they're not going to finish first, but it was nice when they were in first for a second. I think the title chase is probably Leicester, united to maybe lesser extent in liverpool so i think they definitely separate mm-hmm. themselves there yeah and uh yeah i mean let's talk about the top of the table here a little bit because um man you had a big game today um and uh got what ended up being a six to two win over um leeds united how do you feel about them and as you mentioned uh, you know, they're a team that kind of seems like they're in crisis, even though they've won four of their last five and, and haven't lost any of them in the Premier League and um, yeah, are third in the table and, and really, you know, probably positioned to be second in the table at this point. Like, what what are your thoughts on Man U right now? And what's going on that makes it feel like they're still somehow in trouble, you know? Yeah, it just always feels like, well, it's the way that they've been winning, right? They except for today they went down like they went down to nothing they've had to come back like the past five away games i think uh, uh, so it's that like you obviously respect it because there's that kind of they always have that fight like they unless they're in europe i guess um of like always being able to come back and they have the quality to be able to do that but you can't do that all year and expect to keep getting points out of it so like it just feels like that isn't sustainable if that makes sense Mm. and like sometimes it just doesn't feel like they have much in the way of tactics like I think they have enough talent there playing Pogba was on the bench today and they won 6-2 for them to be able to like play but I look at what Ole is doing and I have trouble picking out like a specific tactic and I think like a lot of players a lot of like pundits have spoken to that too of just like analyzing them and not seeing a lot of what they're doing. Like they obviously press really high. They're really aggressive. They like those long balls over the top, but like sometimes when that's not working and they can't break down a block, you know, and they're very sustainable to like that quick counterattack as well. So I don't know. It, it, I like where they're at. This is a good game today. Scott McTominay scoring a brace. You always love to see that, but it just doesn't feel sustainable. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I get that a little bit. Um, Obviously there's a lot of talent there and um, that's kind of the age old question with Man U right now. They're a lot like like Chelsea last year where they're just, you know, they could outscore everyone, but their defense is very suspect. And I think that's where United are this year as well. That's fair. Uh, you've got a big matchup with the Toffees coming up. We are in the middle of the Christmas season, which is when a lot of this stuff kind of uh, sorts itself out and, and you know, kind of Real top-of-the-table clash. Who would have thought? Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, Lester and Everton make out the, the rest of the top four. Which of those three to you, Everton, Lester, and, and Man U, feels like the real deal? And I think Leicester, like just because seeing what they did last year, 
like we were talking about them as being like actual title contenders last year for a while for a lot of that season so mm-hmm. like it feels like they've been here longer as weird as that is to say about Leicester um I yeah I think Leicester is more legit uh, I think Everton is good I don't know if they're Champions League quality good but obviously a huge turnaround and Carlo Ancelotti is awesome with what he's been able to do mm-hmm. there yeah for sure and uh, Man City, 11 of the last 15 points, <laughs> climbing up a little bit, still down in seventh. Um, you think they're still going to be in this thing at the end of the year, or do you think they've really taken a step back? And are, no, I think, it's, at I think it's inevitable yeah. that they'll climb their way back in. Like, I look yeah. at it, when I look at the table, hold on, let me, let me get back. I think City will make their way back in. I'm not, so, I'm not as sure about Chelsea where they're at but i think city are just too good there's just so much on that team and mm-hmm. they'll get the kinks figured out with pat Bennett. yeah uh de bruyne is still the best player in the league like creative i tend i tend to agree with that chelsea has uh lost their last two against uh everton and wolves uh but have west ham tomorrow you think they're gonna be back in it and back on stride there's just something off about chelsea like I don't know, like they're good, um, but somebody's gonna have to miss out. And I think when I look at those teams, like Chelsea seems to be the team that isn't really complete. They have like all that attacking talent, but they don't seem to work well together. Like, I don't know, mm-hmm. I, I can't get a read on them really. What are your thoughts yeah, on Chelsea? That's Steven? fair. I think it's, I think they're a, they're not a young team in that they're really super raw, but they are like a newly assembled team. And I think mm-hmm. it's just gonna take time for them to gel and, and figure that figure everything out frank lampard is i think a good manager but isn't has super proven himself uh you know especially being able to manage a lot of big personalities and a lot of big talent and so i think they did sure up their goaltending situation which gives you a little bit more confidence that they'll be up there i just have a hard time out of like to say out of like liverpool leicester united everton tottenham city and chelsea uh-huh. which of those teams misses out assuming that Southampton falls as well uh say this say the sixth again so Chelsea Man City Tottenham Everton United Leicester and Liverpool and we're talking about uh Champions League spots yeah so that's, well, that's I, a crowded top four yeah yeah for sure I mean Everton I was tempted to write them off a little bit especially when they took that dip, you know, they lost three yeah. in a row in October, November. And I thought, okay, this is where they kind of fall back to, to the middle of the table, oh, but nice. they've looked really good. They've got wins against Chelsea and uh, Leicester and Arsenal back to back mm. to back. We'll talk about Arsenal a little bit, but I don't know, you know, I think they're, whether they finish in the premier or in the champions league spot or not, I think they're a legit threat this year to be up in that conversation. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I tend to think Tottenham, man, I don't know. I feel like we are transitioning into year three of, of Jose in year hey, two. The of last Jose. couple of games really have that like yeah. feeling about that. Yeah. <laughs> they have, they've dropped eight points of their last nine. Um, you know, they're not a team. I don't know. It's, it's, it seems like it's not, it's kind of a tragedy to have Harry Kane and Hyunmin Son and and be a defensive park the bus team, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and that's I mean, that is who Jose is. That's how he's found. And it was so weird 
like two weeks ago when they're flying high, like those two like had a lot of chances. And I, uh, like, I just don't think Jose's system is like catered to their strengths with how good those two are together. Yeah. And so like gun to my head, you're asking who get the, who gets the four, mm. let's assume it's four and, and a premier league team doesn't win the uh, champions league this year. That would make it easier though for the other team. Um, I guess the four uh, premier league spots. I, I mean, I think Liverpool's got one pretty much locked up. Mm. I think Man City climbs back in there. Um, and then I, I feel like Everton might get one this year. And I, th- I think Man United has a better chance of staying up there than Chelsea does of crawling back up there. So I guess it'd be those four in, yeah, in like no I particular think, order. I think Everton benefit from not playing in Europe this year too, with how yeah. crowded those fixtures are going to be. Absolutely, for sure. And they've got they've got a little bit of a thinner roster than some of those other teams, mm-hmm. and they really need you know Mahamas to and stay Carlo healthy. And Carlo is a really good manager, and I think oh, like, yeah. not to discount no that at all. Like we need to no. take that into effect for sure. Um, and yeah, it's just Chelsea with you know have such insane attacking talent and young talent wouldn't that be amazing um, all that money they spent not even make europe oh, that'd be great it'd be great would, i'm loving it i would i always love to see chelsea fail um, as much as i, I want people sake to do well but yeah I, i'm sorry christian leave go to a different team uh, <laughs> speaking of teams that are failing and failing massively arsenal has uh wow um Ooh. dropped <laughs> points in all of their last five games lost four of their last five their only redeeming uh, moment was a draw against Southampton on the 16th uh they lose in um you know pretty decisive fashion I felt like to Everton yesterday and uh they are in 15th place with 14 points uh above Brighton and behind Leeds um what's going on here I mean other than the Stan Kroenke is involved. Yeah. I feel like, you know, as much as it's a fun joke, I don't think they're actually going to slip into relegation territory, but like what is happening here and how do they fix it? They would have to be so, so bad. Like, yeah, I think for sure. There's just like, they have a lot of talent. It's so weird. Like Obama Yang scored how many goals last year and, like, if you have that player, you shouldn't even be, like, close to the relegation territory. I think, like, they're getting Arteta... red cards left and right. Yeah. Um, I, but, yeah, I mean, they've got Lacazette, William, Aubameyang, so much attacking talent. They've got, you know, Maitland-Niles, I think, is pretty good. Uh, Saka is pretty good. They're not even using Mesut Ozil for reasons that as we've already talked about kind of no understands. <laughs> that defense though kind of yikes to me i don't know I'm, yeah like, i think that's back the there. Big deal. Bellerin's back there socrates is back there i don't like any of these guys a lot um yeah and like you look so if arteta is trying to emulate like the pep system pep has always had like just these solid corner but like backs and uh-huh. they sell fullbacks and yeah they don't have that <laughs> they have david Lu- david louise <laughs> well i do think to some extent um that is kind of how you prevent you know even if you're not the top team in the league um talent wise and i don't think arsenal is by any stretch right now i think that is kind of how you prevent 
slides like this is you get a solid defense and mm. at least you prevent you know you hold on to leads and draws and stuff that you wouldn't otherwise hold on to and and that seems to be what they're lacking i'm not a, a big fan of burn Leno uh as a goalie long term there either but you know it's it's not his fault nothing's going right for this team right now um and uh i don't know they've got uh who did they have coming up here they have um chelsea on saturday next week i don't think that's going to be a win for this team in this form right now no um <laughs> that might get ugly i just don't i don't know you know at some point you've got to look at a different manager i don't want to say that because mikel arteta is the most handsome man i've ever seen mm-hmm. and i don't want to lose looking at him sad. Um, sad. my eyes would cry actual tears but uh yeah, I mean, they, they have a, a kind of a friendly run after uh, the Chelsea game of, of Brighton uh, and West Brom, although both of those are on the road and then hosting Crystal Palace and Newcastle. So, you know, if they can get 10 of 12 points in that run and, and really, you know, kind of reestablish themselves, they can at least feel comfortable in the middle of the table. But it seems like everything's going wrong for them right now. Yeah, I just hate... Like, I hate the Arteta talk because I feel like he's getting blamed for, like, how that team is built. And, like, yeah. he's... Oh, for sure. But, like, also, you're fault. in 15th and you're Arsenal. You probably, like, have to make a change just for, like, optics purposes. Yeah. I also hate it because, like, I like Arsenal and I want to I wanna be a fan of Arsenal a little bit, except Stan Kroenke's there. And so I mm-hmm. hate Arsenal. Um, but, yeah, it's just... It feels like a team that has always been out of sorts for several years, but now is really, like really out of sorts and really broken and um i don't know how they fix it necessarily yeah i was just looking at their like recent transfer record and it's not great like they brought in thomas party this year for 55 million he's a defensive midfielder and he has not looked good and that's like where they spent majority of their money this year um they brought in gabriel who's a center back who like we already talked about their center back so i think they have kind of been missing on the transfer market. You know, it's a Stan Kroenke team, so they're not going to dip into that too often. Um, uh-huh. And that's going to have to do with a lot of what's happening here too, I think. Yeah. I mean, they won, uh, jokes aside, and this is a little bit of a joke, but they did win <laughs> the um, FA Cup last year and mm-hmm. even won the, the Community Shield this year, which is more of a joke than the FA Cup. But, like, it's not – nothing they do have some talent and some ability to perform in big games it's just that they can't seem to get out of this losing skid and uh it's kind of sad it just feels like they're one of those teams that should be a threat there at the top and and right now if you told me liverpool was playing arsenal next week i would not feel a lot different than if you told me they were playing like newcastle or something yeah and party he's only played five games so he played he got hurt and then arteta brought him back and he got like mm-hmm. hurt almost immediately again so yeah that's he spent 55 million on a guy who's played that's uh 11 million per game steven you're doing not great quick math not good not great not, good. not <laughs> ideal uh and that's pretty much the premier league right now this sheffield is still down with two points uh oh r.i.p man yeah for sure uh who are we looking at coming up from uh, League One? Let me look at that real quick. No, Norwich. Uh, Norwich has looked good again. So good, good. My well, my right. beloved Norwich are coming back up. 
I will bring, I will agree to them coming back up as long as they bring back those nineties jerseys. I need them. I need to find uh, that. <laughs> I don't think um, I've properly conveyed how long I've spent trying to find that Jersey in it's nineties form. Like I know they have some like apparel, but I don't, it's not the same. I, I need that Jersey. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I always forget that it's the championship and not league one that I need to look at. Yeah. So Cause that makes sense. Looked up, looked league up one is actually two league two is league three. Yeah, technically <laughs> League One is League Three, League Two is League Four. Ah, yes, but yes, that's right. <laughs> if you want to really, really dick into it, yeah, Bournemouth top the table by five points, uh, forty-three or sorry, Norwich forty-three, Bournemouth in second at thirty-eight, and Swansea at thirty-six. Got boring, boring. Give me uh, Watford, Middlesbrough, Bro, and Norwich City, and then I'm fine. I kind of, uh, I wouldn't mind seeing Brentford come up. I like their like quaint little stadium they have. It'll be fun if that's like a. Premier League, Premier League team, yeah. <laughs> it's funny to me. Like I know all of these teams here in this in this you know division, uh-huh. um, except for like Rotherham United, who I assume came up from League One, and you know. But like it's it is funny to me how some of them feel like Premier League teams pretending to be Championship teams, and then some of them feel like real like second tier mm. teams, you know. So. Um, I know uh, it's also fun when you play uh, several years of a FIFA campaign to see who trickles in and out. Like I know reading has been up in my uh, Watford campaign and mm. stuff like that. So, you know, it's a lot of fun. But I feel like anyway, you have teams like Nottingham Forest, Sheffield Wednesday that have been in the championship for like 100 years, it seems like. <laughs> yeah. Nottingham, I believe, was like a real powerhouse once upon a time. Yeah. And has just, it's been because of how long soccer's history is. Uh, it's been, you know, ages since they've been up or been significant. But um, yeah, that's uh, that's Europe or that's uh, England. And then around Europe, uh, in Champions League, Bayern is being dominant. Atletico is, uh, you know, also keeping pace in that division, but Bayern has still not lost a Champions League game. Uh, they drew one, um, and uh, Salzburg and Lokomotiv see you bye. Sorry about that. Adios. Uh, Madrid and, and uh, Mönchengladbach are in kind of a tight uh, race with Shakhtar and Inter Milan, 10 points, 8 points, 8 points, and 6 points in Group B. You would assume that the two that are currently on top would emerge uh, but that's no guarantee, and one game that goes wrong could swing things there. Uh, Man City, 16 points, and Porto, 13 points. Olympiacos and Marseille, adios. See you, bye. Adios. Uh, um, group D is Liverpool and Atalanta. Liverpool, I believe, has now clinched. Uh, yeah, so they through. have the draws out already, too, yeah. when you're done with the groups. Oh, so yeah, duh. I'm out. being an idiot. I knew that, <laughs> and then my brain broke. So, sorry, everybody. <laughs> it's okay. Um, but Ajax and uh, Middleyon, I can't pronounce it. That was, oh, man, that group. Um, they're such, a, like, a hipster group. I love it. Like, all yeah, those games, like, uh, for sure. Ajax, Atalanta, Middleyon. Such uh, Liverpool teams. didn't actually do super well in that group either. They had some some close games, but I think it was those are of... hard teams to play. I think. Yeah, they just have sure. like such weird different styles. And yep, uh, Chelsea and Sevilla survive and advance past Krasnodar and Rennes, Dortmund and Lazio survive Club Brugge and Zenit, uh, Huvi and Barcelona both end up with 15 points. Dynamo Kiev and for an, I can't say for for in Kavaros, uh, which I probably butchered, are uh, out and PSG and Leipzig survive. Man U and Istanbul uh, 
go down. How do you feel about uh, those, that situation in that group? Yeah, onto the Europa League. Um, <laughs> yeah, like that's where that feeling of crisis comes in because they like so totally bottled that Champions League group. Yeah, yeah, that's rough. <laughs> that's a rough outcome for sure. Uh, the draw results here, uh, the round of 16, Mönchengladbach versus Man City. Um, not a total give me for Man City, I don't think. I Mönchengladbach's think been playing survive. really well. Yeah, uh, that's a, a, a strong team. Lazio versus Bayern is is a cakewalk for yeah. Bayern, one would assume. <laughs> Atletico, Atletico versus Chelsea uh, is going to be a real tough That'll be fun. That's going to be a fun to watch. Although it feels like Jao Felix is the only young, incredible forward that Chelsea hasn't bought in the last 12 months. <laughs> so, um, you know, we'll see, which, we'll see what decisions they made. Liverpool versus Leipzig. Um, you know, Leipzig's not a, a pushover, but it feels like they could have had a lot worse. Um, hmm. Porto versus Juventus should be fun, but you would expect Juve to advance. Barcelona versus uh, Paris Saint-Germain. That's a real marquee matchup. One of those teams going out in the round of 16. Who do you think survives that one? I think PSG has been real nice. And Barca has been kind of like in, they're in like fifth place in La Liga right now. So they're, they're in crisis. Although by the time that comes around, they might be out of crisis. So it's, that's tough. Yeah. That's a tough match. No, I, I tend to think Paris, uh, I always land in the middle of saying it correctly and saying it in uh, the American all of our way. new um, Montreal Impact fans are going to hate that song. yeah for sure uh, but uh, PSG I think does take that uh, Dortmund have Sevilla don't think that's going to be much of a test for them and Real Madrid have Atalanta who are a heart favorite uh, I don't know mm -hmm. that they can survive Madrid but it'll be fun I that's think tough. that'll be a fun matchup for sure it just uh, uh, further solidifies Real Madrid as my most hated team if they kick out Atalanta like this yeah oh absolutely <laughs> so uh, this is the part of the Champions League that doesn't happen for a year and a half the yeah. next games are in February 16th uh, and then the second half of those fixtures are March 10th. I like how it's that. And then um, it'll be like all the rest of the games are in like a month. And it's, know, it's excruciating because they played all those group stage games like back to back to back to back. And then you have to wait yeah. like two months. <laughs> I don't know why you can't do like the quarter, the 16, like a two in February and then the next round two in March mm -hmm. and then compress the final. But uh, here we are. Uh, so that's uh, that's our tour around the world of, of soccer, football, whatever you'd like to call it. Uh, Justin, anything else you'd like to say before we get out of here? No, no. Um, yeah, I think we, we about covered it, Stephen. Yeah, it's a fun time of year for especially Premier League fans. Uh, fun to see the MLS movement that's happening and will continue to yeah, happen. If anyone can uh, figure out what Generation Adidas is, please contact us. That'd please send us a detailed <laughs> essay and uh, we'd appreciate that for sure. We'll read it on the next episode. But yeah, uh, fun time for soccer fans. We'll cover it all on our next episode. Uh, but until then, uh, Merry Christmas to all who celebrate. Happy mm -hmm. holidays. Happy Hanukkah. Uh, as Alexa tells me that a a Christmas package has arrived so, you know, in the background. Is it, uh, did you get your Patrick is. Bamford appreciation fan club? Uh, uh, I should buy a Patrick Bamford jersey. <laughs> uh, what's, what's Leeds uh, non-white jersey? Are they, uh, are they nice? I think they're, hmm, that's a good, 
That's a good question. Are they blue and if they're like blue and gold, I could tell. Oh, wait, is that real? Hold up, hold up, hold up. Now I'm now now I'm deep in this. So um, I know they used to be yellow, but it's showing me. Oh, the, yeah, they're those gray kits with like the pink writing. Pink writing? What? No, what? The hell are you talking about? Um. Okay, hold up, hold up, kit. Pause, pause the presses. <laughs> Rivet, riveting television for everyone listening at home. Uh, 2020-21 away is like What's green and black here? striped. That's interesting. And then red and ooh. Okay, I know. haven't seen these yet. Have they ever worn these? <laughs> I don't think so, but I might. I don't know. I think I've only ever seen them wear white. It's the one like thing I did. a little bit. The one thing I don't like about uh, um, playing as Watford in the in uh, that campaign is they only have two uh, kits because they were a championship team. I kind of like this third kit, to be honest with you. It's not bad. the green one or the red kind the of red one, one, like the yeah, I like that too. Uh, maybe I'm gonna get a. I should probably get a, an actual Liverpool kit before I start buying other kits randomly. But <laughs> I don't know, man. That Patrick Bamford. I do like him, so we'll see. I'll tell you uh, if I have purchased any of these. Oh, and I, I got to buy something for Columbus because that was the rule yes. of our last podcast. So I'll start there uh, and we'll figure out the rest as we go along. We'll keep thanks, you up, for, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Merry Christmas. Happy Adios. Holidays. I feel it in my fingers. I feel it in my toes. Christmas is all around me And so the feeling grows It's written in